Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Hello, world. I am Tim Vetter, and this is the Voyages of Tim Vetter Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today, or tomorrow, or whenever it is that you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. It's cold in New York, man. It's cold in the whole Northeast. Trump's out there making jokes about global warming. Listen, it is cold. We've got this deep freeze sub-zero thing, polar arctic vortex. It's really cold. But hey, hope you're somewhere warmer than I am, enjoying the last of this holiday season and planning out some big things for the new year. It's not really a new year. I guess for societal purposes, it's a new year, but time just keeps on moving. But I hope that you are planning out some achievable goals and cool travels and adventures and things like that. I got a lot going on. Um, I'm not going to talk about it yet, but some trips and things like that in the month of January looks to be like a pretty busy one for the podcast. So I'm excited about that. Okay. Today, my guest is Anastasia Sermaiva. Um, she, I guess I first found out about her just like going through the, the rabbit hole of social media, just like clicking from one side, uh, basically it's on Instagram, right? So I follow all these travel people and you know, you click on one and then the next one comes up or someone leaves a comment or something like that. So I don't remember exactly when it was when I first started to follow her, but more recently, and obviously we get into this in the podcast, but I was following her Instagram stories from her trip and yoga training in Goa, India. And I thought it was super fascinating. So I reached out and she was kind enough to say yes and come on the podcast. Social media, so social media can totally suck. Um, I think that if you're a complainer and you want to feel bad about your life, you now have an audience for that and you have an opportunity for people to feel bad for you and to help out your pity party. And um, yeah, so in that regards, it can suck. But I have found it to be an incredibly valuable tool for the podcast, especially Instagram. I'm not really big on Facebook and I, I, I rarely ever post on Twitter, but Instagram for, for travel obviously is, is fantastic. And it's been a way that I've been able to get in touch with people like Anastasia or, you know, I've even gotten in touch with some, some larger people in the public eye, like media people and a couple celebrities and things like that. Who all of all said no, I can't come on, but uh, it's been a way that I've been able to contact people. And it's how I got Jeff on here from Modern Life is War. And it's just been a really great tool for me. So I think that if you can embrace it and use it in a productive way and as a tool, then hey, it's great. If you're going to use it to feel bad about yourself and just compare yourself to people and to say, eh, I'll never be able to do what they're doing, well then, listen, you're probably going to do that with whatever platform or forum that is out there for you. So Okay, on a positive note, my guest today is a traveler, adventurer, a yogi, a brand ambassador, a model, and just an all-around badass, and I really, really loved having this conversation with her. I will link to her social media. Uh, we talk about her boyfriend and the work he does. I'll link to his websites and social media, their YouTube and a couple of the websites that we talked about that are good resources for traveling and changing your life. As I like to do for my solo episodes, I like to read off something that I've written. 
I did this last episode with Leslie. It's the first time that I've read something else that my guest has written. And so I'm going to do that again today with Anastasia. She has a really cool blog post on her website and she breaks it down essentially like, here's what I did to change my life. Here are some actual steps that you can take and some resources and things like that. And then just another, as we've done here many, many times, another motivational story to get you up off your ass and moving and at least attempting or trying to do something because you can complain from your couch until the last day that you're alive or you can try something, do something, take a step. Um, I just read, what is his name, Mark Manson? Um, subtle art of not giving a fuck. And in there, he has a whole uh, portion of a chapter devoted to take a step, do something, right? Like nothing's going to happen if you do nothing. So, okay. This is from that article that Anastasia wrote. I do not regret breaking free from the social mold. I'm not telling you to quit your job and move to a remote island but I would encourage you to take a step back and think about what your ideal life would look like. You do not have to work until you're 65 just so you can retire and finally have the time to travel and do the things you enjoy. You can live the life you want now. You just need the courage to do it. I drastically changed my path and you can too. Awesome. So yeah, that sets the tone. Um, quite appropriately for this episode. These are the things that we talk about and kind of dissect and dive into. So hope you enjoy this one. I certainly did. Make sure you check out my guest today on all the links that I post in these show notes. All right. Happy listening, folks. Anastasia, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. So I I follow a lot of people on social media, primarily through Instagram. Uh, you know, other people who travel for my own motivation, sometimes to get ideas. And I don't remember exactly when it was that I began following you, but most recently I was following your Insta story, I believe from from Goa, uh, India. And yeah. Yeah, and it was just really fascinating, and so I wanted to talk to you today to, to share some of your stories and your advice, so uh, really appreciative that you're on. Yeah, absolutely. I love talking about travel and getting people into travel, so awesome. it's a fun topic for me. Well, first of all, you're in Vermont right now? Yes, I'm in Vermont, and it is <laughs> dumping snow right now. Yeah, I was going to ask how you're coping with that. Yeah, you know what, though? I'm, I'm a Vermonter at heart, so I, the snow, it, it warms my heart. It doesn't chill my bones. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> and you, I love it. I absolutely love it. But I also love the sun, so, you know, it's, it's bittersweet. Your, your family's from Georgia, is that correct? Yeah, so um, I was born in the Republic of Georgia, um, which, for those of you who don't know, is a country between Turkey and Russia. Um, in Eastern Europe. Uh, I moved to the States when I was two years old, so I'm basically American, but um, 
you know, have an American citizenship. But I'm right. Georgian. It's awesome. It's a beautiful country. Yeah. Have you been back as an adult? Um, I went, not as an adult. Uh, I went when I was 10 years old with my mom. And, you know, as a 10-year-old, you don't exactly, like, appreciate culture and food and, you know, things like that. You're kind of like, hey, mom, I'm bored. What are we doing? Right. Who are all these people speaking Georgian to me? Who are all these people kissing me? I don't know anything that's going on. <laughs> so um, it was a bit overwhelming as a 10-year-old. But I would love to go back um, as an adult. I just haven't had the chance. It's really expensive and... Yeah, it just hasn't it just hasn't lined up yet. Okay. Well, I want to uh, eventually I want to talk about India, but I want to kind of start at the beginning. Um, yeah. You have a an extensive blog post, and I'll share all that stuff in the show notes. But let's kind of maybe uh, digest like the first part of that when you're um, early twenties and you're like, hey, I don't want to kind of get caught in the the traditional rat race. I want to yeah. to get a little bit of traveling under my belt. So how did how did like a life of travel start for you? Well, um, so I I went to the University of Vermont and I studied nuclear medicine and I got my bachelor's of science degree. Um, you know, I did the thing that everybody's supposed to do, and I made my mom proud. And you know, living the American dream. And um, you know, I'm like a year into this um, really good job that I was offered. Um, at a really great hospital and I kind of just looked around and I was like at the time I was 22 and I am doing this job with these people who are in their late 30s early 40s or 50s and they're all going home to their kids and their mortgages and all this stuff and I'm like what am I doing why am I here why am I why do I feel like I need to like just go 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 you know I went to high school and then I went to college and I have to get a job and then I have to do this and I have to buy a house and I have to find a husband and I have to have kids and it was just like I don't know so overwhelming um and then I, I was offered this opportunity to go sailing in Greece for three weeks um with a bunch of strangers a bunch of people I didn't know and I was like all right you know what I'm just gonna do it I've saved up all this money and I'm just going to go for it. And I did. And I fell in love with sailing. I fell in love with Greece. Um, and then I called my boss and I was like, I quit. <laughs> I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back from Europe. And she was like, you know what? I get it. Like, go, go do your thing. Like you've been working so hard. You know, you've just completely broken your back in college and now you're working super hard for your job and you haven't had a break or done anything for yourself you know I'm, I felt like I was living you know someone else's dream which obviously like, I want to make my parents proud but it's what they wanted it's not necessarily what I wanted but I didn't know that at the time um, and then I went to Greece and I was like this is what I want I want to sail I want to you know do everything I can I want to learn from other people I want to experience things um, this is so much better than working in a hospital. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I called her and I quit and she was so supportive. And then I called my mom. I was like really scared to do that. And she was like, you know what, if this is what you want and what's going to make you happy, then go for it. So, um, I had an opportunity to, um, cook on boats. Um, my mom is a chef, so I grew up in the kitchen with her and I've always been, good at, you know, being a home cook. I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a chef, but I cook very well. Um, 
And yeah, there's this whole industry uh, in the yawning world where there's chefs on boats who don't have to be culinary trained. And if you can find a captain in a boat, then you can work on a yacht and cook. <laughs> so I did. Um, I ended up working in Croatia for about two and a half months um, to you know spend the rest of my summer. So I was in Greece previously, also cooking on boats. Um, and then I came home for about a month and I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Like, I can't go back to the hospital. And then someone was like, hey, well, the Mediterranean season is over, but the Caribbean season just began. So you should go down there. Um, and some friends I had met in Croatia had um, some boats down in uh, the Caribbean, in the U.S. Virgin Islands and the British Virgin Islands. And um, I just moved down there for a month. I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything. I just went around with my CV and prayed that I found something. And I did. So I worked for a year in the Caribbean um, as a private yacht chef. And I have now continued to do that. And during our off seasons, I just go and travel because it's hurricane season. So you don't want to be down there. And you've been working super hard for, you know, 10 months and you save up money and then you can go and do whatever you want. Yeah, so th there's a there's a lot that I want to unpack from that and kind of uh, to to dive in a little bit deeper. So uh, first of all, I think that you do this really soberly in your blog post, and you're, you're you know totally hinting at it right now. But I think that a lot of times, so I want to get into social media a bit, but yeah, um, I think that a lot of times when people look at people who travel as like a job or a lifestyle, they think mm -hmm. that it's, it's all sitting on a beach and it's all leisure. But right. the, the reality of it is um, y there's a lot of work involved and you've figured out a really awesome, almost like hack, like, like a life hack to figure out a way to make, yeah. you know, working and travel one. Um, but I even think of like the two of the biggest people kind of in this game I think like I think it's Jack and Lauren. Um, it's do you travel? I think her name is like Gypsy Lust. Yeah, but, Gypsy Lust. Yeah. Yeah, but like they they hustle, you know, like they yeah. tons of they work super hard. Their jobs right. are not easy at all. Right. So, and and I'm not saying that I think that you you do this quite well. I think we should point out the distinction is, you know, it the nine to five career trajectory. It's it, not doing that is not about not wanting to work or not wanting to work hard. Right. It's just not right. wanting the, the, it's almost like the mundane aspect of that where it's just every day looks like the next. It, it, yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, you know, I was working in radiology. I was in a damn basement with a bunch of radio pharmaceuticals. Like right. I wasn't seeing the sun. There was nothing for me to do. Like my job is, was super rewarding. Of course, but I just, it was the same thing every day, the same four walls. And I was like, I feel like a mouse trapped in this weird social experiment of like, who's going to crack first? <laughs> yeah. And back to social media, then I think like a positive aspect of it is that especially with uh, jobs being replaced by technology in this country, the, like the internet can be an amazing and valuable resource and tool. And now, like, I mean, this isn't how I make my money, but you know, it, there's not a whole lot of cost involved in taking pictures or video or teaching classes or doing a podcast. And so 
you know, with each passing year, the opportunity and the availability of like a non-traditional type of a lifestyle and job is there for you. And so um, I think it's yeah, pretty, pretty it's, cool it's what you're amazing. doing. We're, we're super, super lucky. I mean, you know, we're, we just, sometimes we take it for granted too. We're just like, oh, like, what do you mean? Like this ticket costs this much and I can't go to Belize for a few months. Like, oh, I can only go for two weeks. You know, it's just like you take all these things for granted, but then you kind of look back at, you know, what your parents did and what their parents did. And they didn't have those opportunities. They didn't have those choices, those options. Right. And we have so many options. It's crazy. So many that we, we don't even know what to do with ourselves. You mentioned a CV, which um, essentially is a resume. Can, can you explain what that is? Yeah, so a CV um, is is essentially a resume. Um, the way that it differs is it it's just like a different layout, and um, you kind of list things instead of like in a CV. It's like your education, and then you know your job history, and then you know your skills maybe. But um, a CV is just a little bit of a different layout. So it's like a cumulative viate. I don't know, it's some Latin word. Um, but that's, that is what is used in the yachting industry because you can kind of be more creative with it and more like experiences. They want to know what kind of experiences you've had and you know, where you're coming from. And you kind of can go into a little bit more detail than a resume. Is there a digital space where that lives where, you know, people who own yachts can kind of fish out the potential employees that they want? Yeah, um, there's there's a couple websites like findacrew.net and oh, there's this other one I, I can't remember. But the thing about the yachting industry is it's very much word of mouth. Okay. Like it is not something that you just go online and you find a job. Like there are jobs like that, especially on super yachts. Um, those are jobs that are much easier to find online, but the, um, smaller crude vessels, that's more like, you know, like I had said, I went down to the Caribbean for a month. Um, you know, there, there was no way for me to just go online and see like what boats were available. It's all about like getting your face out there and saying, hi, I'm Anastasia. Um, you know, here's photos of my food. This is what I do. This is my personality. You know, let me live on your yacht and take care of it. So it's very much about who you know and kind of like having a face that somebody can see and a hand that they can shake and be like, okay, I can trust you on my multi-million dollar investment right. <laughs> for you to take care of it. <laughs> so then like what, what, uh, working on a yacht, what does a typical day look like then? Oh man, it's crazy. Uh, so my yacht that I work on right now is a 58 foot um, catamaran based in Tortola in the British Virgin Islands. Um, I work for a charter company. So my yacht is privately owned, but it's owned within the company. Other yachts are just privately owned and that's it. So our company, we're lucky because all of our charters are, you know, lined up for us. They do, they do the work and we just do, you know, the guests come and then we take them out. We don't have to like search for people and try and book people and all that stuff. So we're lucky in that perspective. Um, and then we also have a lot of like help um, when we get back to base. But basically like you wake up, I'm a stewardess now. Um, my boyfriend is actually the chef. I stepped down because he is culinary trained and I'm not. So I was like, you know what, you do it, that's fine. <laughs> um, so I'm just basically the entertainment and the first mate and the bartender and the sous chef. So I, I just kind of dabble in all the little areas now. 
but um, I usually wake up around 6.30 a.m. I'll get the coffee going. I'll start setting up the breakfast table. I'll help um, my boyfriend make the fruit plates and things like that. Um, and then as guests get up, kind of like get them coffee and stuff. And then, you know, we do, we'll probably like pull up the anchor and go to a new spot for the day. Or maybe we'll do a couple of trips depending on where we are. Um, we'll prep lunch, we'll serve lunch, we'll clean up lunch, and then we'll usually take them to go do something ashore. Um, I'm usually the one that does that just because chef is usually busy, captain's usually exhausted. So we'll take them snorkeling or we'll take them for a hike or whatever they want to do and then bring them back. We have appetizers and drinks and then we set up for dinner and then we do dessert and then around 10, 30, 11 p.m., everybody's finally had a couple too many drinks, and they're all going to bed. I clean up the boat. We start again. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a long day. It's super hot. It's not glamorous like people think it is. It's, it's hard work. Right, yeah. And again, just like pointing out that, yeah, this is work, but like through yeah. planning right and and yeah. the willingness to make those types of sacrifices, then the trade-off is that the time that you do have free, those months where you're not selling are like yeah. totally yours. And I mean, between, between breakfast and lunch, once I'm done cleaning up, I jump in the ocean and That's I go awesome. for a free dive. You know, I, I have that option. Like I can literally jump off the boat into the like turquoise clear water and have it be awesome. And you know, guests and stuff, they, they want to go to the bars, they want to see things and they always want you to come with them. So, you know, you kind of have to if you if you want to make them feel good. So you're you're going out with them and you're essentially going on vacation with people. Wow. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> and you can also receive tips then from the guests? Yeah, well, and then the best part about the job is at the end of the week, after you're totally exhausted, you're ready for these people to get off your boat, they just hand you over a fat stack of cash and they're like, thank you so much for being so hospitable. And you're like, oh my God, I have forgotten everything that just happened this past week and I love you so much. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> have a safe flight. And then this is, you know, financially, this is able to sustain you throughout the year. Financially, this is like one of the best jobs you can have because first of all, you're getting cash tips um, and, you know, that's generally a pretty good chunk of cash that you only split between the captain and the chefs. It's only three of us. And then you have a base pay depending on what company you work for. Some people only get paid. You only get paid if you go on charter and some people get paid throughout the month, whether you're chartering or not, which is what I have. Um, And then you live on the boat, you eat on the boat with the guests, you drink alcohol that they buy you if you choose to drink. Um, and there's Wi-Fi on the boat. There's, you know, we fill up the water tanks. We can make water with our water maker. Like, there's there's no expenses. Wow. You just, you're just living on a yacht in the curb <laughs> and making money. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, it's, it's amazing. How much impact was there from the hurricanes this season? Because I know the British Virgin Islands were hit really hard. Yeah, so I was actually there during Hurricane um, Irma, and it Whoa. was devastating. It was absolutely horrible and horrifying and the worst experience I've ever had in my life. Um, I, you know, unless you've been in a natural disaster, it's it's very hard to explain, like, the, the feeling. 
and the energy that surrounds that natural disaster directly before and directly after. Um, everybody was completely underprepared. Um, my boyfriend and I had done extensive research on what you should do during a hurricane and everybody thought that we were crazy. They're like, why are you guys packing bags? Why are you guys making food? Why are you tying this down? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And we were like, guys, I don't think you understand the gravity of this situation. And they didn't. Um, nobody wanted to cause panic. So everybody was just trying to be calm and chill and be like, oh, it's just a tropical storm. I'm like, this is right now a category five hurricane two days away. I don't understand why you think this is going to be all right. And lo and behold, it wasn't all right. We had 212 mile per hour winds. There were cyclones inside of the hurricane. Jesus. Um, you know, there are 58 foot, 110 ton vessels lifted up and flipped upside down out of the water. There was boats everywhere. It was just, it was, I don't know. I felt like I was in an, like an apocalypse movie. I was like, what just happened? And then once the hurricane was over, walking outside, it was just total devastation. I mean, you can't even recognize the island anymore. All the trees are completely blown off. It's all brown. There's no vegetation. There's just like random cars and stuff like upside down everywhere. It's, I would say, I was like, is this a Steven Spielberg movie? Like right. what is happening? Um, and then you see the worst part is all the locals that you befriend and they become your family and they lost everything. People who have put their entire lives into their charter businesses and their boats and their houses. And it's just in a blink of an eye, it was washed away. Wow. And I mean, recovery is still, I believe is still happening. Yeah. I mean, we're going back, um, actually on the first on Monday to, um, return to our jobs in our boat. And, uh, I'm just, I'm feeling a little bit hesitant about what's going to happen because I'm just like, okay, great. So tourism is back up, but what are we going to show people? Like, well, it's only been a few months. Right. You know, so many businesses and bars and things that we would take them to, they're gone. Like they never even existed, just completely uprooted. So wow. I, I'm happy tourism is coming back because that is, you know, the main means of money for these people. So I'm glad that we're going back and that we're getting into the swing of things again. But it's, it's going to take a long time. I mean, people are just barely getting power back now. Like within the last few days, I've had friends who are like, oh, finally, I have, I have power again. It's been months. Wow. That's crazy. It's nuts. I, I can't even explain it. I'm going off topic a little bit here, but are you familiar with WorkAway? No, I'm not. All right. So my friend on the last podcast talked about this, and this is also just a good tip slash hack for people who are looking to live a different way, you're not going to get paid and you're not going to live on a yacht, but essentially you give up your time, whether it's working on a farm or tutoring in a school or working in a hostel. And there's a huge online community for this. Like you have a profile and everything. So prospective employers can pick you and they put you up in, uh, in a home or in the hostel or in a hotel. That's amazing. And yeah, and, and you're, so it's basically, it's your lodging and your food is covered. So if yeah. anybody is looking to go experience a new place, like that is the majority of your costs other than going out and experiencing things. 
So that's yeah, a, definitely. That's a really cool thing. I mean, know. it's all where your priorities lie, right? I mean, if you would rather have a Lexus and a Louis Vuitton handbag, then that's great, and you can work and you can get those things. But you know, if traveling and having these different experiences is your priority, then work for a few months at your job, and then maybe your boss will give you the flexibility to leave for a month right. and go experience something different, do the work away. Like, but there's so many options out there, but it's. It's all about where your priorities lie. Like my friends, they always say things to me like, oh my God, I wish I could live your life and I, I wish I could do that. You go to the best places. I'm like, you know, I don't have a sugar daddy who's like flying me all around. Like right. I'm, I'm prioritizing. Like you, you have, you drive your Mercedes and you have your, you know, Canada goose jacket or whatever, but these are things I don't have, but I'm, you know, I, I'm sailing in Greece for three weeks. I'm backpacking around Southeast Asia for two and a half months. I'm in India for a month. You know, these are the things that I choose to spend my money on and what I feel like gives me success and happiness. Yeah, I, I want to touch on that. I, I do want to point out too, anyone that's interested in work away, like you can also, you pick the the terms of the time that you're going to be there. So like if you want to go to Croatia and work in a hostel, you say, okay, I'm doing these three weeks, and then the next three weeks you can go to Thailand. So it's like, it, it's, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's, so it's, much flexibility. It's perfect for that. But to your point, and I think that's really important. I listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of them that are way bigger than this, and they'll talk about exactly what we're talking about now. Uh, you know, motivating people to to live the life that they want to live, and the comments are always like, "Well, you have money, you can do that." Or like, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll get into this, but I know that you do like some brand ambassadorships and modeling and stuff like that. So people will be like, well, you know, you are an attractive person. So people are going to want to look at you. And like, of course, it's, it's people are always willing to point out the thing that they're fearful of or they're not. But it's like, okay, then, then find, you can do something, right? Like you're yeah. not telling me that you're a lifeless person with no skills or interest or anything. Again, the, the internet and the, the opportunities that are available to you, find the thing that you're good at and incorporate that into the lifestyle that you want. Like, you can do it. And the thing I always say, and I think you point out aptly in your blog post, is like, you ha- just, just do it. Take the step. You have to do something. Because if you're not going to do anything, yeah. then sure, you're going to be stuck in the cycle that you're in forever. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just like, it's one of those things where you have to step out of your shell and stop being one of those people who constantly blames other things for the reason why your life is the way it is. Right. And once you can realize that about yourself and, you know, and you want to change, then that's amazing. And it does take a lot of courage to step out of your bubble. You know, like I, I don't come from money. I come from a low middle class family and my mom grinds away working two jobs to get me to college and I'm working two jobs while I'm in college. You know, it it hasn't been easy. I don't live this glamorous lifestyle, but this is the life I wanted for myself. And it wasn't easy for me to, to just say goodbye to this job that I had just been working tirelessly for four years to achieve. But to me, my happiness and my health and my mental clarity were much more important than, you know, being able to, like I said, drive a Mercedes or whatever it is that people classify success as. So it's just, you know, you got to change, change your attitude. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's totally whatever, whatever it is, the thing that you value. Um, 
Okay, so I want to talk about uh, some of your other travels. We we talked about the work that you you've done in the Mediterranean and in the mm-hmm. British Virgin Islands on yachts, but is the first place that you went once you started this type of lifestyle was it Southeast Asia? Is, am I right? Yeah. So the first kind of like bigger trip I did after being in the Med and in the Caribbean was Southeast Asia um, for two and a half months. That was during the my first off season. Okay. Um, which is like, again, a, a, an easy introduction into travel in that it's, it's pretty cheap. The cost of living is cheap. Uh, people are generally yeah. friendly. English is spoken in a lot of places. Uh, mm-hmm. Where specifically did you go on that trip? Um, so I, the, that trip was a little bit different because I was actually traveling with a friend who was in it, it was in the midst of starting a um, travel PR company. So um, I went where she went. So we, it was me, her, and then her media director, the photographer and videographer. So what she did is wherever she could get um, a PR contract for, for luxury hotels, that's where we would go. So we started um, in the Philippines, and then we went to Thailand, um, we went to Vietnam, we went to Singapore, we went to Myanmar, aka Burma, um, and then we ended our trip in, um, in Indonesia and in Bali. So you essentially got to stay in these places that she was doing PR for. Yeah, so we did all, I don't think, I don't think any of those jobs were paid because it was more of like a, she wanted to get her portfolio up and running. Okay. So um, we stayed everywhere for free and we ate for free, so oh it was all God. contra deals. So they would trade, and you know, we were doing this in the off season as well, in the rainy season, so things were super cheap and people were more willing to be like, okay, yeah, you guys can come and stay you know, in our five-star hotels, no problem. And you guys can eat what you want. But, you know, in return, we want 30 photos and we want, you know, two one-minute videos for our Instagram. Wow. I mean, Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, we, we stayed at, like, um, we stayed at the Shangri-La in Boracay in the Philippines, and that was intense. Like, I was like, I will never, ever stay in a $2,000 a night room <laughs> ever again in my life. Oh my but God. this is amazing that I get to do it for free. <laughs> Yeah. Again, like another hack if you're willing to be creative and come up with something new or. I mean, but that, that was like totally like, I just had super dumb luck that happened to be that one of my best friends starting this company and was like, Hey, you like to take pictures. You like to be in videos, like come with us. And I was like, Oh my God, are you kidding me right now? Yes, of course I'll come. What were you? Um, it was funny though, the, the, uh, the way that we were traveling is we were all like, you know, trying to be as frugal as we could. So we were staying in these like five star luxury hotels, like for three or four nights. And then we would be in literally like the shittiest hostel you could ever imagine for like the next week until we got our next job eating like 30 cent, you know, off the streets, which honestly is the best I've ever had in Vietnam. 30 cent, never pay more. It's amazing. Um, but, you know, it's just we're eating like kings and then the next day we're we're on the streets like, you know, OK, where where are we going to stay? Because we can only spend ten dollars a day. <laughs> where in Vietnam were you? Um, we were in. Uh, uh, oh, my God, I can't even I can't remember. We went to we went to an area around Halong Bay. Oh, OK. So like kind of yeah. by Hanoi. 
Yeah. Okay. And we were, yeah, we were in Hanoi. That's where we were. Okay. Can't remember. Yeah, Hanoi. What was what were your experiences, man, in Myanmar like? Oh my gosh, Myanmar, crazy! It's really crazy being the only white person around. Yeah. <laughs> when and when you get to a place and you are literally like the one minority and you're the only one, it's just it's a crazy feeling, and that's how it was in Myanmar. There was just like nobody else there that wasn't from Burma except for us three we were like oh my god where are we um it's super super poor really just a lot of poverty but absolutely amazing I mean the people are amazing they're so friendly just want to help you and they are just so kind um the food was really cool because it was like this mix of like um kind of like you know, Asian style food, but with a little bit of Indian mm. persuasion in there. So it was really, really amazing. Um, and I mean, the countryside is beautiful. We unfortunately didn't get to travel around Myanmar too much. We were only there for a week. Um, but it was, it was definitely an intense exper- experience. Did you get to see? Because I've, I've never seen poverty quite like that in my life hmm. were you able to see um the temples at bagan like the yeah yeah we oh. saw we saw a couple temples um and it was it was amazing i mean just the feeling that you get you walk in there and even if you're not which i'm not a religious person but i would say i'm a spiritual person and you just walk in there and you feel this energy of goodness and the people who are there they're just truly genuine, nice people, and it's it's an amazing experience. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a cool point because I, I was in uh, I think I was in Bali, and we yeah we did a um, like a purification ritual in uh, oh gosh how am I I am not remembering the name it was outside of Ubud I think and uh, Changu Seminyak. Uh, it. Hold on, I can go back through my, um, I have it on my Instagram. But uh, it was similar to that point where it was like, uh, it's, it's a Hindu ritual, but the guy said to me, like, um, you're not praying to my God, but you're, you're praying to whatever your God is. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's amazing. I mean, it doesn't matter who you're praying to or what you're praying to. It just, if you, if. I don't know. If you, you just feel it on the inside, if you can feel good and you feel like you want to spread goodness and happiness to other people, then that's the point. Yeah. I also really liked your point or your experience of like, um, you know, for one of the first times, like being the other, I had that experience yeah. too in Kenya where it was like, oh yeah, like I am the, I'm so used to living within like a majority culture and I'm the yeah. one white person here, even like every, yeah. every single... The one white person, you're yeah. just like, okay, I, everyone's looking at me. <laughs> I, yeah, I think, you know, there's there's a lot of value in that. And I think, you know, coming home to the States, it gives you a, a greater perspective for um, people who've either immigrated to the U.S. or people who come from a culture that's not the majority culture and like then yeah. how they must feel every day being here. Definitely. Um, okay. So this is not a, a love and advice podcast, but I did want to talk about something. So 
uh, travel romances are a thing. They, yes. um, especially in Bali. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, and they can be quite complex. I think that again, so they're multifaceted. I think that it sounds super cheesy, but you almost need to be responsible about it if you are. So let's say you're coming from America, like obviously your your dollar, you know, goes quite far in places that are not in the same economic standing that the United States is in. And so because of that, you you represent opportunity, upward mobility, possibly a chance for a better lifestyle. And so so that's one facet of it. But then there's also just the a lot of people get caught up in this like yeah, really romantic scenery or mm-hmm. caught up in the fervor of travel and the freedom of it. And then yeah, they the bubble. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and then it bursts when they return back to their lives or um, whatever it is they do. And, and those things fizzle out and fade. You have managed to uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've managed to uh, become enveloped in one of these travel relationships that then became something quite real and I'm wondering how yeah. you, you managed to survive that well um so like I had said I finished my my trip in Southeast Asia in Bali um and the last like uh two weeks of my trip is when I met my boyfriend Hugh um we met in Changu at a bar called Old Man's yeah um <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. I was like being such a dick. I just wouldn't even like give him the time of day. I was like, I'm here with my friends. Like, I don't want anything to do with any of these boys, whatever. But he was persistent. Um, and it was pretty much love at first sight. We we spent the next 11 days of my time there together, basically inseparable. Um, and then I was like, hey, I got to go back to America now. <laughs> So, so what are we going to do? Right. <laughs> um, so I went back to America and he, he has a company in Bali. So he, he stayed there and I had planned on going to Whistler to see one of my good friends um, and be with her for a month. So I spent a month at home and then I spent a month in Whistler and basically we decided we're like, okay, we're going to do long distance, even though we've only known each other for 11 days, but we're going to try. So we tried and it was super hard and really weird because, you know, we barely even knew each other and it's hard to develop a relationship, especially when you're not physically there with a person. Um, But we somehow did it and he was like, okay, what are you doing after Whistler? And I was like, oh, I don't know. And he was like, well, if you're serious about this and you're serious about me, then you'll come to Germany. I was like, okay, then <laughs> I'll come to Germany wow. because that's where his mom lives. So I went to Germany for a month and we worked on our relationship. Um, and we were like, okay, this is great. We're in love, but we're poor. So what do we do? And I was like, all right, well, I know this industry, the yachting industry, where people can go and work as couples on yachts and it's amazing and you make a bunch of money and it's great. He's like, okay. So we applied to this company. Luckily, we got the job. Um, we had to wait for about three more months before our work visas processed. So we spent the time between Germany and my home in Vermont, um, which time, you know, we were living with our, my mom and his mom. So they were helping us out, which, you know, we're super lucky that we have that 
the opportunity to live with our parents. Um, so yeah, we did that and then we just finished our charter season and we've, we've just been chugging along. I mean, it's super hard. You know, we, we go from these extremes of not being together, you know, being thousands and thousands of miles apart. And then we live on a boat together, which is like the most claustrophobic, claustrophobic thing you could possibly ever do with your significant other. There's just like no boundaries and just no privacy and no secrets. It's just full on. (laughs) So it's a good idea if you do do that kind of job with somebody, you got to like them because it is very, very intimate and it is not glamorous. So, and he does for that. He does video and photography and things like that. So you've managed to sort of like merge your, your worlds with traveling. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's super into videography and photography. Um, we bought our camera together. We bought our drone. We have all these things. We have our GoPro. Um, and we both are just super creative people. And we like to take photo and video and just kind of document our crazy adventure that we're on together. And, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And I get great content for my Instagram. So it's a win-win. <laughs> yeah, and then you you use that to, I guess, promote yourself also in the chance that you get like ambassadorships for brands or like you, I guess you're, you're an influencer of sorts, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, you know, that's the dream, right? Is to, for companies to send you free stuff and for you to just be like, Oh, I just have to take a picture of it. Great. Here you go. No problem. Um, currently I am a brand ambassador for this company called Coco Lux. It's this like, um, vegan, uh, body oil, like tanning oil slash moisturizer. And then they also have like a body scrub and stuff. So it's awesome because this is one of those things where it's like, they didn't offer me a discount or anything. They just send me products quarterly and I take photos with it. Well, Hubert takes photos of me using it and then I post it and that's it. And I get to have awesome skincare stuff, which is great because I do live in the Caribbean and my, I actually do need those products. So it works out in my favor. And then is your goal to do more of that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just, you know, some things fall to the wayside when you, um, priorities, right? So my Instagram has taken a little bit of a back burner while I've been, um, traveling in India just because I, you know, when I'm traveling, like I like to experience the thing that I'm traveling. And I find that when I'm on my phone all the time, I get very distracted and my mind gets very cluttered. So, you know, I do take photo and video and things like that, but I try and not be on my phone so much just so I can actually experience what I'm doing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so Instagram has taken a little bit of a back burner this last like month and a half. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a work in progress. You know, I don't have really, I don't have that many followers. So it's just a matter of being proactive on Instagram, you know, seeking out those brands and just promoting yourself. You know, you never know if you don't ask. So I'm, I'm one of those people where if I want something from somebody or from whoever or whatever it is, I just ask for it because how will that person ever know that you're interested if you don't, if you don't reach out? Yeah, there's a really. And yeah, I've gotten rejected so many times, but <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't stop me. I'm just like, okay, great, thanks. Right. At least you've got back to me. That's awesome. 
uh, trust me with this. I know what that's like. I've been, I've been straight up ghosted before where it's like, I went to meet the person I'm doing a podcast with at the location we were supposed to do it. And they're like, Oh yeah, I couldn't make it <laughs> like a half hour. after. Yeah, I just, to start. Oh God, I hate that so much. It's like, just don't be a coward. Just be like, you know, I'm actually not interested anymore. Thanks for your time. Maybe another time. Yeah. That's it. That's all you got to say. And instead you waste your time. You waste the other person's time and time is money. And it's just, it's so rude. Uh, Dan Carlin is a, he, he runs a podcast called Hardcore History and it's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. He, he does these like every couple months, he'll put out like a five hour episode about something from history. And he was on Joe Rogan's podcast, which is like one of the biggest ones in the world. And he had a really cool point, it, kind of highlighting what we've been talking about. But he said, when you, when you're starting out with stuff like this, it's not always about how many people are listening or even for your Instagram, like how many people are following it, but who, cause you never know when that one person who runs a company or is well-connected or knows someone who knows someone that could get you plugged in and, you know, integrated into a, a certain career field or brand or something like that. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's what, you know, and, and the thing about that too is, is you gotta be mindful of the way that you carry yourself and the things that you post on social media and the things that other people are posting about you. Right. You know, you can't just be letting your friends post embarrassing photos of you <laughs> from when you had your first beer in high school or whatever. It is. Right. Right. You know, you gotta, things on the internet stay forever. <laughs> yeah, and we, I. I'm probably older than you, but we're probably within the same, you know, generation. Like we never thought about that. We, we were the guinea pigs for this. So we were the first ones. And like, we, we net, like I was there when like Friendster and MySpace, even before, uh, yeah. Oh, I remember MySpace. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, uh, (laughs) um, luckily I, I don't have any of those skeletons in the closet that are out in the public closet, but yeah. Um, oh, I mean, with my friends, I'm like, if you post that of me, you know how many photos I have of you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even try. <laughs> um, one of the things I, I really wanted to talk about uh, that we've been alluding to is your recent trip to India in Goa. Uh, yeah. So what was that all about? Oh, my God. Honestly, I've traveled to a lot of places, and India has by far been the most cherished place that I have gone so far. It is, it's everything. I, I had the best experiences physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I, I honestly just can't even say enough. I was so nervous about going to India and, um, you know, the, the days leading up to it. And the, the, when I got there, I, w- I was alone. I was meeting a friend, but the first few days I was alone and I was just so nervous because everybody was like, oh my God, you have to be so careful and you have to wear a wedding ring and you have to make sure you don't talk to anybody and um, you have to make sure you do this and do that. So I was like totally freaking out. Um, but then I got there and I was like, this is just the best place ever. The people are angels. Like everybody is just so calm and chill. The place where I went anyway, I didn't go to like New Delhi or Mumbai or any of those like big cities. I went to, to Goa, Agonda specifically. And it's basically like a surfer, yogi, vegan, vegetarian, Indian oasis. It was just 
just the best thing ever. And if you're even remotely thinking about going to India, just book your flight because it's going to be your favorite place you've ever gone. Yeah, so Goa is coastal on the Arabian Sea, I believe. And you did a yoga training, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I did my 200-hour yoga teacher training. Um, It's a very rigorous, intense course. um, And at the end of it, at the end of the month, you get um, certified with like a yoga alliance, which is like a nationally um, worldwide accepted yoga teacher certificate. Um, It's very demanding. Um, You have 12 to 14 hour days and you are practicing maybe for four hours of asana a day and then you have just hours and hours of philosophy and yoga sequencing and posture clinics and adjustment and alignment. You learn an exorbitant amount of information. It's so overwhelming, but it's the best thing I've, I've ever done in my life. And I didn't go with the intention of like, oh, I want to teach yoga. I went with the mindset of I want to deepen my practice and I want to learn something new. And if teaching is something that I find that I love to do because of this experience, then that's great. But that's not the reason why I, why I booked it. And honestly, that's, I would say the majority of the people who were there had the same exact mindset that I did. Hmm. Yeah, but then even... Like even with that, being as that is, like you still could. This is another way then you can potentially use this to. Yeah, and and luckily for me, I found that I love it. I love teaching it, and I love putting sequences together, and you know, pinpointing certain things, and you know, making um, vinyasas that are for heart opening or for hip opening, or you know, today we're going to focus on ourselves or whatever. Like just putting these themes together was actually super fun. And I truly enjoyed the times that we got to teach to our peers. And it was, it was amazing. So I, I plan to bring this back to the boat with me and offer it to guests and say, hey, you know, at 6.30, I'm going to be on the bow and I'm going to be doing an hour of yoga. You're more than welcome to join me. If not, then that's where I'll be. So don't be nervous. But, you know, if you want to join, then that's great. And I just think it's another element that I can add to my CV of like yeah I'm also a yoga teacher so that's cool <laughs> yeah and again like that that's brilliant that that just continues to like just hammer home the point that like you are intuitive and you are diversifying what you have to offer and like continually evolving and so like yeah, yeah. there's more tips right there and then that's more travel yeah exactly and people love to you know hear about it and and the thing about the the yoga teacher training is you also learn um, pranayama, which is like breath work, and you learn meditation. So maybe maybe somebody's physical body isn't able to do um, the physical practice, but, you know, there's there's eight limbs of yoga. It's, the asanas is just one one part of it. So yoga is, is so much more than just being in down dog and chaturanga, you know. you can There's so many different aspects that you can apply to your everyday life that can honestly just, it can change it can change your world awesome. for the better so what is next i know you said uh just in a couple of days now you're going back to uh the virgin islands what i guess is next on your wish list for when you have the downtime to go explore somewhere yeah you know the amazing thing is that i don't know I honestly have no idea. 
I, I mean, there's so many places I want to go, but I guess it depends on how much money I can make um, before my contract is over in May and if I choose to resign my contract or not. Um, so there's two options. I can stay through the summer and definitely leave during hurricane season <laughs> and work another season on the boat, or I can go do whatever I want to do. And yeah, I just don't know. Yeah. That doesn't scare me. Like, I love that. I love that. I don't know. I love that. I can do anything. It's, it's a good feeling. No, that's, that's perfect. Like I was just, just thinking like that must be really freeing that uncertainty, but like being totally okay with that. Yeah. You know, honestly, like me three years ago, I would have been having a panic attack. Like, oh my God, I, I was one of those people who like, I need to know exactly what I'm doing, who I'm doing it with, what time I'm doing it, how I'm going to feel about what I'm doing. You know, I was very anal about these kinds of things and I have just totally chilled out and my stress level has gone way down and now I just don't care. (laughs) Do, Do you mind if I ask how old you are? I'm 25. Okay. So um, I've been in these episodes, like I've been leading up to, I'm sort of like the opposite where I'm transitioning out of, um, I guess it's not really opposite, but I'm transitioning out of a career oriented lifestyle. And Mm -hmm. one, like one of the, the biggest legitimate concerns I have that's like, kind of hold me back a bit is healthcare. And I wonder yep. like, are maybe it's a bit different because you're working um, like an actual job job when you're working on the yachts, but like what, how do you manage that with all your travels? Like ensuring so that you have I that safety have, net? Um, the state of Vermont has something called Vermont Health Connect. And um, it's an amazing, amazing uh, program for people to get health insurance. Um, so I have my own personal plan through Vermont Health Connect. Um, I, I believe it is the same thing as, um, as uh, it's Medicare, I think. Okay. I'm not sure though. Um, I think they're the same thing. Maybe it just has a different name. I'm pretty sure that's what it is, but it's, it's through the state of Vermont. Um, and also, what I do when I travel is I get travel insurance. Yeah, so I figured. Through um, okay. World Nomad. Okay. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good resource, too, that we could link. Yeah. Um, so yeah. then, it, it, so I asked you what's next. Is If you look at, if you've even done this, I don't know, but if you look at it from a much longer scale, like, is your answer the same, or do you think, like, do you think? No. Okay. The, the goal for me is um, to find something that I love doing, like, as you can tell, I can't be in a normal work environment. Like I can't, I'm a very, I, I'm one of those people who takes initiatives and takes control. Like I like to be the leader and I like to be, you know, the person in control of things. So I, I need to be my own boss essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love to have my own business that is oriented around um, food as medicine. Um, you know, I love to cook and I live a very clean, healthy lifestyle. And, um, I think it's really hard for certain people to kind of break into that. People have this desire to want to be healthier, but they don't know how. Um, 
So I would love to be a resource and have, you know, quote-unquote clients who could come to me and I could work with them um, with the physical aspect of their life and also food because I think that preventative care is something that is extremely lacking, especially in the United States. Um, and that's what I, I really love to focus on because people are always trying to cover up their illnesses and these ailments they have by just taking a pill, right? But that's just, that's a Band-Aid. It's not going to fix you. It's not going to fix the fundamental problem, which for a lot of people is their nutrition. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's, again, that's brilliant. Like uh, I mentioned Rogan's podcast, which I'm sure everyone, anyone who's listened to mine is already aware of his, but uh, he had two episodes just this week about that, you know, um, how lifestyle and, and diet is like the precursor for a healthy and happy life. Um, yeah. Absolutely. hundred percent. Like food is everything. Like what you put into your body determines everything. Like your gut is going to be the one who's like, you're going to have a good day or you're going to have a really bad day. Right. Yeah. How, how are you able to manage then like a healthy lifestyle while you're traveling, especially to, I know you said you, you were able to stay in some really nice places in Southeast Asia, but also some hostels. Like, how are you able to manage yeah. that and, and stay on the type of lifestyle and diet that you prefer? Well, luckily for me, the places that I have traveled, like the Mediterranean and Southeast Asia, um, you know, and, and Asia being in India, but um, these places are places that offer really fresh, healthy food. Um, so, you know, when you're in Bali, for example, right, every, every other cafe is vegan or vegetarian. Everywhere right. in India was vegan and vegetarian. In the Mediterranean, you just go to the market in the morning and you, you get fresh fruit and you get, you know, fresh breads and things like that. I mean, I found it so extremely difficult to be vegan in places like Germany, Poland, you know, places in Europe like that like when I went to um, Sweden like it was just it was really hard yeah and and you know when you tell people like well I'm, I'm vegan or I'm vegetarian they kind of look at you like what <laughs> you don't eat meat you don't <laughs> eat butter you don't drink milk like what what's wrong with you and it's not very mainstream and it's not um there's just not a lot of education around the topic so those places, it is really hard, and I don't eat very well, and I do kind of suffer a bit because there's not a lot of options for me, and they're like, oh, I guess so you can have a salad. I'm like, okay, you know, first of all, I don't even really like salad. <laughs> like, I'll eat it if I have to, if that's my only option, but I'd rather have, like, you know, a big bowl of, like, grains and roasted veggies and hummus and things like that. Like, I think it's hard because, you know, especially nowadays, like nobody teaches anyone how to cook for themselves anymore. So the idea of being vegan or vegetarian is so scary because if you don't have, if you don't live in a place like LA or India or wherever, where it's super easy to go out and get that food, then you're stuck making it yourself. But if you don't have the confidence or the knowledge of how to cook food, then what are you going to do? Eat like cheese pizza every day? Like I, I have a friend who is a vegetarian and she is literally the unhealthiest person I've ever met in my life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for sure. Like, especially you're talking about, uh, places like Europe and like former Soviet Republic and like you know, due to climate and culture and tradition, like 
a whole lot of bread and potatoes yep. and really starchy Meat stuff. And cheese. <laughs> it's funny, like I've talked about this before, but um, I don't eat a whole lot of bread at home. But when you're in a place like like so uh, Hanoi or uh, Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, uh, yeah, I would eat banh mi, and like it, it's it's like different wheat it's i don't know how yeah. to explain it but like you don't leave your meal feeling like Ugh. yeah no definitely <laughs> not because the idea of organic is just everyday food you know these people aren't stripping the wheat and they're not they're not growing their veggies with a bunch of chemicals they're not mm. you know treating their cows with this and that like it's just it's normal food that you know the chicken breasts for example holy shit like in the grocery stores I remember the first time Hubert came to America and he went to a grocery store with me and he went to go buy chicken and he was like what is this <laughs> I was like it's it's chicken like, what do you mean what is it he's like but what kind of chicken it's huge I was like is that not normal he was like no that is not normal at all. and I was chicken. like oh yeah welcome to America yeah um all right, before we go, are you familiar with the, probably not because you're always traveling, but are you familiar with the show Hot Ones? It's a YouTube show. What's it called? It's called Hot Ones. Mm-mm, no, I've never heard of it. All right, so essentially um, it, the the guy who hosts the show, he has guests on. They're from popular culture, singers, rappers, things like that, and they eat these like super spicy wings and they get increasingly hotter as he interviews them and like they can barely even answer yeah. once they get to the hottest one. <laughs> but he does this this part of the show called Explain That Graham where he asks for some clarification about a couple of their Instagram posts. So I wanted to steal that from him real quick, minus the hot wings, and ask you about uh, two things on your Instagram, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right, so... You have a picture from a hike you did in Vermont, and it's you and your friends like on this summit. And I had a question about a comment. Um, there uh-huh. was like a casting person who was like, "Hey, I'm casting for Naked and Afraid, and I'm interested in you." Was that legitimate? Was that real? Um, I don't know. I've never even seen that comment. Oh my god! All right, so listen, Sandra casting. Wait, which one? So, okay, so you guys are at the top of a summit. You don't have shirts on. and Oh, 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 yeah, my girlfriends and I. Yeah, and so... Crazy bitches. I was okay, like, on, is this real? Did she... I don't know, but okay, I guess wait. we're finding this out together. Yeah, Sandra Casting works for Nick. Oh, my God, <laughs> I've never even seen that. Yeah, so you, you posted this in May. I'm so, so happy you pointed that out to me, but that was like 27 weeks ago. Oops, sorry, Sandra. Right, Never or... that comment. Or, <laughs> like, you can't see when she posted it, right? Like, it could have been yesterday. No, it says 27 weeks. Oh, oh, that's Your true. post, yeah, is from May, but I don't think... Oh, my God, that's hilarious. You know what is funny, though, is I actually had an interview with the casting director for the show Below Deck on Bravo Network. You didn't get it, though? No, because they were like, you don't have any super yacht experience. And I was like, <laughs> you'd be lucky to have me on that show, okay? Fine, right. whatever. Rejection. But yeah, it was so funny. He, I like, I reached out to him and I was like, hey, I work on boats and I'm spunky. Like, put me on your show. Right. 
And he was like, oh my God, yeah, I totally love you. I'm going to pitch you to my director's Zoba. And he came back to me. He's like, I'm so sorry. Like, you don't have any super yacht experience. So they don't want to, they don't want to uh, have you on the show. He's like, but I love you. So please keep in touch with me and, you know, keep me in your back pocket. I was like, okay, casting director, also for the Food Network. Oh, One wow. day I'll have my boat cooking show <laughs> and I'll call him up and be like, remember that time you told me to call you? Yeah. I'm, ass- I'm assuming that a super yacht is just a much larger yacht. It's it's a very different line of work, you know. I mean, on my boat, I, it's such an intimate experience you have with the guests, and you truly become part of their family. And on a super yacht, it's like you are not a real person, and you need to make sure that you're not seen. And if this railing is not shiny at mm. all hours of the day, then you're fired. <laughs> Jesus. It's totally different. Um, it's it's a totally different experience, which I'm not really into. So that's why I was like, fine, whatever. All right. So what we're going to have to do for that, we're going to have to do a follow-up for that post. So you, yes, you let me I'm know. I'm totally going to get in touch with her. <laughs> you, you let me know if that's real. Um, all right. The second one. Okay. I guess it's, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know. Okay. It looks like it is real though. I'm looking, I'm looking at it right now. Okay, cool. That's, Hilarious. <laughs> the the second one was the first post that you have back in 2013. Uh, mm-hmm. Phantom bun weighing my head down and you have a shaved head. So what's going on yeah. here? Yeah, so um, when I was 21, I... Um, I became um, a chairperson for on the board of this company, or not a company, but this organization called um, Cuff Cancer. And um, it's Vermont state troopers that got together to um, raise money for this camp called Camp Tecumseh. And um, it's where kids who have had cancer or have cancer can go for about two weeks for free and just not be you know, labeled by their disease, they can just be kids. Like nobody's treating them with cotton gloves or saying, oh, you have cancer, so we have to be careful around you. They just can be themselves and they're with kids who have also gone through the same experience. Um, So they do this fundraiser every year um, where basically you go around and you raise money and you're like, hey, I'm going to shave my head on this day at the top of Church Street, which is like the one big street in Vermont. Um, you know, do, do you want to donate money to me? All the all the proceeds are going to go to Camp Tecumseh. So um, I did that and I ended up raising a couple thousand dollars. Um, and yeah, I, I shaved my head. I donated all my hair to Locks of Love. Um, and then... Yeah, it was, it was, it was intense. I I remember sitting down in the chair and starting to tear up because I'm like, I'm 21. I'm like, I'm peaking right now. Like, I can't believe I'm about to cut off all my hair. You know, what's going to happen? And um, standing up there was this little girl who had just, um, she had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And, you know, she just, all her hair just grew back and I'm looking at her and I'm like, this little 10 year old is not crying (laughs) because she lost her hair Mm -hmm. or she, you know, whatever, like this little kid is a badass, and I'm sitting here crying because I'm about to get my head shaved, you know? Right. So it was was just, it was a very grounding experience. 
Um, and really cool because when you put your head out of the window when you've never had a shaved head, it's like the best experience ever. <laughs> and your showers turn into like these two-minute ordeals where you're like, whoa, okay, I guess I'm done. There's nothing else to do in here. You know, I'm used to having long hair my whole life, and I was like, oh, God. It was like a whole step out of my routine, just totally gone. And I got hit on way more when I had a shaved head. Really? Oh, my God, yeah. Because <laughs> you don't blend in. You know, you stick out. You're like, who the hell is that girl with no hair? <laughs> well, that's, I mean. What is, she, what, is, what is her deal? Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's an amazing thing that you did. And um, Yeah, it felt, it, it was super rewarding. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey, this was really cool. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. This is awesome. Is you plugged a couple things, but is there anything that you want to plug real quick? Uh, either anyone that you work with or your own social media or anything like that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's just Nastia Sermava. Um, and then Hugh, my boyfriend, he's just Hubert Hachiski on Instagram. Um, he posts a lot of really amazing drone footage and um, photos of our adventures and stuff. So if you want to follow our little, our little story, feel free to do that. Um, he also has a YouTube channel. As do I, but my YouTube channel's not very good. But his is awesome. He do, he makes vlogs and things like that of his adventures in Bali and also in the Caribbean. So give him a follow, Hubert Hachiski. Awesome. I'll link to all of those things in the show notes so people can just easily click on those too. Um, awesome. Okay, stay on with me. I'm just going to close out here and then I'll, I'll wrap up with you after. Okay. All right, cool. Um, all right, folks, as always, thank you so much for listening. A whole lot of stuff coming up in the month of January that I'm excited about. So uh, stay tuned for that. And as always, take care of each other. Bye-bye.